Let your glory shine forever. 
place God we thank you come on we thank you Lord you be exalted in this place be exalted Lord be exalted with our praise
to sing out, sing your own song as the band plays, sing a song to the Lord this morning of his goodness, of how he is, he's in this place, church, let us draw near, let us keep close to you, Lord, close to you, Lord, I want to be closer, I want to be closer to you. To you, to you, Lord, I want to be close, close to your love, close to you are, oh, draw me closer, and draw us closer, Lord, draw us closer. Draw us closer. Come on, if that is at your desire, just place your hands over your heart to be close to the Lord this morning. 
To be close to the Lord this morning is to be humble in heart, is to see your need of God. Draw us closer. I want to be close, close to you. Only this time right now, we are a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that God so desires us not just to have a service where we sing and we talk to God, but he so desires us for that he would talk to us and that we would listen, that we would be used of God. So right now, come on, if you're filled with the Spirit of the Lord, I just want you to start speaking in tongues. Come on, start speaking your prayer language this morning. And if you're not filled with the Spirit of the Lord, the evidence of speaking in tongues, come on, if that's you this morning, would you close your eyes with me? It's not a show. It's not something we do to make us feel special or different. But it's the Spirit of the living God coming upon each and every person and empowering them to live, live a life that reflects and shows the power and the glory of God. So if you want that this morning, Come on, with all eyes closed, God, I pray, Lord, for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. For those earnestly seeking. Does anyone have a word this morning for the church? Make time for you, Lord, this morning. Thank you, Lord. But I feel that's a word for someone in this place. You want your life to change. God's calling you out. Today's your day. This morning's your morning. Come on, if that word was specifically for you, God is calling you out to change, live a different life. 
Come on, maybe you've done this before, but you feel like nothing's changed. Come on, it's very specific, a call, different life. Come on, I feel like the Lord is pulling on your heart right now this morning. God is wanting you to step forward. Come on, if there's anyone in this place who wants to act out in faith and do something different and say, man, I want God to do it. Now for the show, come on, I just ask that this morning, if that word was for you, that you meet us up here at this altar, that you will come forth. No shame. Come on, we break the chains of fear in Jesus' name. Come on, if that word is for you, come forth. Amen.
you, King Jesus. We thank you. We thank you because you are God Almighty, and you left heaven. You left all your glory to step into this world, to become a sacrifice for our sins. You broke the power. You broke the presence. You broke the penalty of sin over our lives, dear God. And for that, we are eternally grateful. As this song says, my sin and shame don't count anymore. Why don't we just lift up our hands this morning as a sign of surrender, as a sign of worship and adoration to the King. Hallelujah, King Jesus. We thank you that you don't look at us and see the stain of sin upon our lives, dear God, as we surrender to you. We thank you that you don't hold our sin over our lives. We thank you that you're not a God who holds bitterness or grudges, dear God, when we sinned against you, when we turned our backs on you, dear God, when we chose the way of wickedness, God. You looked at us with love and mercy. You stretched out your hand and you saved us from the pits of hell. Hallelujah, this morning, dear God, as we celebrate you, dear God, as we worship you and we come together and worship you as a body, we ask that you would receive all glory, that your name would be lifted high. Father God, I pray that as we meet with you, it wouldn't end here, dear God, but it would carry over, dear God, into the city of Chicago. Every person, dear God, Everywhere where we have an influence, in the name of Jesus, have your way. Father, we ask that you would light us on fire. Come on, right now, still with your hands raised. Come on, God has done a work in us. God has done a work in us. God has been merciful and gracious. Come on, won't you say, God, won't you light me ablaze for you? We're so grateful, God. We want to be used for your glory. Come on, God didn't save us to be a little trophy on his wall. God saved us to be a tool in his hands to destroy the lies of the enemy in our generation. Oh, in the name of Jesus, Father, I let loose freedom over your people in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy to be praised and adored, God. Father, won't you look at Metro Praise International this morning and see you have a willing people. You have a surrendered people, a people who say, I want to live for you. I want to lay my life down for you. So Holy Spirit, if there's hindrances, if there's obstacles, if there's lies, Father, today in Jesus' name, remove them. Remove them now in Jesus' name. Father, the works of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, we come against them in Jesus' name and we push back. Father, we thank you because you saved us from the dominion of darkness and into light. Father, we thank you that we walk by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray this morning it wouldn't end here. I pray this morning the words that are spoken, the, the message that is preached would impact lives around us. Because God, you are real not only in our lives, but you are going to show yourself real in the lives of unbelievers all over in our communities. 
God is speaking that this morning. He wants to use us. He wants to use you past the Sunday morning. He wants to use you on a Monday morning. He wants you to be a disciple that makes disciples. Somebody has to get that this morning. It's not okay to keep it to yourself. It's not okay to limit God to one day. God's saying, won't you let me use you? Won't you let me use you? Come on, let that sink in. He's saying, won't you let me use you? Won't you make yourself available? My son, my daughter, won't you share the gospel that brings freedom to those that are bound around you? Somebody's going to get it this morning. Somebody's going to let go of selfishness this morning. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we worship you. We give you glory because you want us to partner with you. Come on, won't you say thank you to the King? Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us to partner with you. Hallelujah, Lord God, we worship you. Come on, give him some praise this morning. Come on, we are willing, we are willing, we are willing. Come on, we are willing, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God is good, God is good. I want to invite you to go back to your seat as we remain in this attitude of just thanksgiving and worship to the King. You can greet your neighbor. Welcome to Metro Praise International. This morning, we are going to take communion together as a church. And I think it's so beautiful that God is speaking that to us this morning because as we celebrate Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, as we remember what the king did for us, he's saying don't just remember it once a month. Don't just remember it once a week. Remember it every day of your life. And so what is going to happen now is our ushers are going to begin to pass down the elements. And this is something that we do together as a church once a month again and and we want to take this time to just slow down and remember what jesus did for us we do it in remembrance of him and so the bible tells us that we are not to take the communion the elements in an unworthy manner and so one way that we can do that is by not being saved just by just taking it and not knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and taking it out of a religious manner. That is not what Jesus intended. He did not want us to do something just because we're used to doing it, just because it's what we do on Sundays. He wants us to do it out of a heart of remembering what he did for us on that cross. And so we all know and understand that we have all fallen short of God's kingdom, right, of his glory. We've all sinned. We've all done something that God is not pleased with, even from the time that we were little. We don't stand right before God. And you may be able to look at yourself this morning and say, hey, I'm a pretty good person. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't murdered anyone. But see, God is not judging us according to our standards. He's judging us according to his standards. And the Bible says that he looks at our hearts and he can see the depths of our hearts. He knows the attitude of our heart. And so if we were all honest with ourselves, we would be able to say, yes, I've sinned against God before. And if we were honest, we would know it's more than once, right? Whether you've been selfish, whether you've been prideful, you've put other things before God, 
you've been perverted, you've given way to addiction, whatever your sin may be, it's not right in his eyes. But this God Almighty who left heaven loves us. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so this morning, you are reminded that his grace stands for you. And if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, today is the day of your salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. And as you open up, you know, you look through the news and you, you look on your Facebook news feed and you see all these stories of how people's lives are just tragically taken. They didn't know when they woke up that morning that that was their last day. And my thoughts when I read those stories is, my God, did they know you? Did they know you as Lord and Savior? And so my question to you, Metro Praise, I know you're here. I know you're present. But do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? That if today was the last day of your life, you would be able to know that you stand right before a holy God. That your sin has been paid for. That your sin has been accounted for and wiped away. Do you know Metro Praise? Because coming to church cannot and will not save you. Doing ministry will not save you. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so we want you to get that this morning. We want you to understand that if you haven't called on the name of Jesus today, you can do that. God is waiting for you to humble yourself, to call on his name. He is a real God. He is real. And he's coming back one day. Amen. Let's be right before the king. And so I want to pray for those who are going to be saved before we get to this. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you, if they're living in deliberate sin, dear God, and they're trying to sweep it under the rug, I pray, Father, that you would bring it to light, that you would convict their hearts, and they would surrender to you. I pray for an understanding. Your people would know that what you offer us is so much greater than what this world has to offer. Temporary satisfaction, dear God, will bring us to destruction. But, Father, your grace leads us to eternal life. So I pray right now in Jesus' name all around this room, dear God, for, just, for, for hearts to be softened, for walls to come crumbling down. In Jesus' name, in hearts to surrender and become disciples for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Please stand up to your feet. Yes, give them some praise. If that's you and you gave your life to the Lord this morning, we're going to have some prayer workers right over here who want to pray for you. But I want to go back to the scripture right now. We're going to take this communion together. Now that you're right, now that you've confessed your sin, I want you to take this communion, and I want you with the heart of remembrance. I want you to place yourself on that day when Jesus Christ gave his life to, for you and understand that he suffered physically. He suffered emotionally for you and I so that we wouldn't have to pay for those sins when we surrender. So the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. Everybody take, take your bread. Take your wafer. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. It's for us. Do this in remembrance of me. So right now, with just a heart of remembrance and thanksgiving, let's take this communion together.
Hallelujah. Lord, we remember you this morning, dear God. We remember the act that you did, the act of love, dear God, that it wasn't just just a long 2,000 years ago, but it still impacts us today. We thank you for being willing and obedient to going to the cross, for taking our place. Amen. And now let's take the juice representing the, representing his blood. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, one more time. We're going to close out in singing the song of praise and worship to the king. Thanking him for Calvary. Thanking him for that great moment where he made the biggest sacrifice ever made, giving himself for you and I, that we would never be the same again, that we would never have to work for our salvation, we would never have to work to be right before God, but just receive the sacrifice he made for us on that cross. So one more time with the heart of just thanksgiving, let's sing this together. Lord, we thank you, dear God, for new life. We thank you, dear God, because you are so close and near to us. We thank you for the transformation in our hearts, dear God. This morning, we don't take lightly what you did, the death, burial, and resurrection. Father, we stand upon that, and we thank you for victory. Come on, won't you thank him one more time? Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're so good, God. Oh, have your way in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And at this time, we're going to recite our confession of faith. This is Metro Praise's biblical worldview. And so we stand upon this. We recite it every morning. So let's recite it together with uh, boldness and with power, all right? On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. God is so good. Come on, greet your neighbor, meet somebody new. If you need prayer, our prayer workers are right over here for you. Thank you. As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bit is unrelenting Your love goes on Your love goes on When the world keeps waiting Metro Praise! Who's 
excited to be at church. Come on, clap it up, clap it up. Look to your neighbor, give them a high five. Say it's so good to see you this morning. We want to welcome you all to Metro Praise International, especially if this is your first time here. Keep on coming back, invite your friends and family. Our services here at MPI are every Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That's our family service. We have Sunday school in the back for infant to 11 years old. That's our King's Kids Ministry. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. That's our Elevate Youth Service for our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. They're rocking it out for Jesus, winning their friends to the Lord, preaching the gospel on the high school campuses. God is doing awesome things through our youth ministry. Amen. We have a special announcement for you guys that we're going to be uh, giving out every week now until Easter comes. This is our Abundant Life Sermon Series. That's going to be our Easter service, uh, March 27th at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have our, we're going to be having a children's presentation that Easter Sunday, free family portraits for you and your family. So we really want you guys to take these flyers, pass them out, make personal contacts. You can leave them at restaurants. You know, your beauty salon, you can leave them on a train or a bus, but we also want you guys to make personal contact with strangers. Preach the gospel to them, shake their hand, get a name, and say, I want you to come to my church to hear the gospel message again so that you can live a life for Jesus. Who's with me? Come on, pass that out. I want us to all stand up to our feet right now because I get so excited. How many of you guys noticed this beautiful, beautiful side? As you drove up, come on. We're going to do that again. And we're going to shout it out. And we're going to give God the glory. I want us to shout out and worship and dance and jump around this building for at least 30 seconds, okay? The new Metro Praise International sign is official. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. We give him the glory. We give you the glory. Woo! We want him to be magnified. We magnify you, Jesus. We exalt you over this city, over this neighborhood. God, every street corner, I pray that the light from this building shines for miles, oh God. As we preach the gospel, as we snatch souls from hell, may we be a beacon of light to Chicago, oh God. In Jesus' name. Woo! You guys may be seated. I want to read this to you. I want to read this to you. It's such a powerful thing. It means so much to my husband and I and a lot of the leaders who have been here from the beginning. Even if you haven't been here from the beginning, this is a very special, special thing. But to know that my husband and I started this church in our living room in an apartment on Addison and Pulaski with three people in a Bible study is just, it just testifies the faithfulness of God. When we remain faithful, the increase comes. The harvest is there. The Bible says the harvest is there. It's plentiful. Pray for laborers. And laborers have been raised up and they've come alongside of us. And that's why you see what you see today. A church that is healthy, that is strong, that is living holy for God, that is going out to the highways and the byways, snatching souls from the fire of hell because we're preaching the true word of God. And we're disciples that are making disciples. And you guys are a part of that now. So I want to read this to you. My husband made this picture last night and it was such a powerful thing it's not just this cute little saying or a cute little poem it means so much to us and we just want to share this with you because this is what you guys have made npr are you guys ready for this you guys probably seen it already on facebook those who meet here are not many but they are mighty in god they are not known by men but they are known at the gates of hell 
They not only are willing to live for Jesus, but they are willing to die. They are the disciples of Christ at MPI. Praise God. And we give all, God all the glory, and we just want to thank you for coming along at any stage and point of time that you guys joined us. And we know that this is just the beginning. As we get into the vision right now, we know that it's just the beginning. Amen. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Somebody say vision, strategy, and goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. We do that with everything inside of us. It's the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, loving God and loving people. And our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to, to the church, to Jesus, through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. That we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. We believe in mentorship very, very much. And then we want to send you out to keep doing evangelism, to preach the gospel to the lost. And our goal here is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches like this all across the city and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace and power, say amen. All right, who's ready to connect? Let's connect. Come on. Here's our life group schedule for this week. On the back of your handouts, you can find the schedule for the whole quarter, January, February, and May. Look at the types of life groups that we have, different times and locations, and find a place to connect with your family. Kicking it off today, we have our singles. Come on, give it up for our singles, 18 to 35 years old. They're meeting today at 4 p.m., and I just want to encourage you. This is a community of singles, of, of young adults who are not married, who want to hang out and have fun with you. So if you're in that age group and you're not married, this is a life group for you. They want to build relationship. They want to build friendship with each other, and you want to be there to be encouraged, to be strong in your walk with God. So how many singles in that age group do I have that are ready to build friendships, live for Jesus, and be on fire. Come on, give it up for our singles again. So be there today at that address at 4 p.m. And then on Wednesdays, we have our King's Kids uh, infant to 11 years old. That's every week life group for our children. 6.30 here at the church. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club, awesome children's workers, the best on the planet. You got to bring your kids here on Wednesday nights. Then every week on Thursdays, we have our gang outreach ministry. 18 years and up are invited to go and join them uh, at that address, 7 p.m. They're hitting the streets, preaching the gospel, finding the gangbangers. How many of you guys know that our young people need Jesus? Those gangbangers are like 15, 16, 17 years old, most of them and they are lost and we have powerful men and women of God who are going there and shedding the light and preaching the gospel and snatching them from the fires of hell come on Friday every week we have two adult bible studies for you one is at the Govea's house the other one at the Vivid's house every Friday 18 years and up 7 p.m it's a powerful time of getting together with the body of Christ building uh, friendships gaining that fellowship that you need throughout the week and getting into the word of God so who's excited to connect this week look to your neighbors to get connected say I'm going to bring you with me to my life group if you fit that that kind of life group okay so if you're married you can't bring a single person to the marriage life group but you know what I mean so get connected then we want to mentor you say mentor we have the 101 book called welcome to your new life Excuse me. We have leaders ready to take you through this book one-on-one. -on -one. We want to invest into you. We want to see you grow in the Lord. Be discipled. Change. Uh, allow God to, to see God to change your life so that you can one day change others' lives. So get mentored. Find a leader today. They will hunt you down. If you can't find one, you've probably already been asked. And if you haven't been asked, you will be asked because they have to be asking you. So if you are new and you have not started 101, our leaders know 
you are like fresh meat, okay? You are like fresh meat, ready to do 101 with them. So they want to invest into your life. They want to pour into you. When you graduate the 101, that's done one-on-one. -on -one. Then you get into the 201 class uh, Sunday mornings with Pastor Jared or Thursday nights with Pastor Ellie. Disciples that make disciples. How many disciples do I have in here? Come on, make some noise. Are you ready to make disciples? You want to be in that class, okay? Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. You can join them on the streets every Saturday from 5 to 8. That is our training ground. Meet them on the streets. If you've never gone street witnessing, you're missing out. It is a powerful, powerful thing for you to go out there and preach the gospel to people you do not know and share the gospel. Be refreshed. I say this to you guys every week. The Bible says he who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. You need a refreshing in the life? Go tell somebody about Jesus. Meet them there. All of our life groups have evangelism. This is where we go and go as a group and you get trained to to do it and to do it right and to do it well and effective and you'll learn. So if you say, hey, I don't really know how to answer people's questions, it's okay. Just tell them they got to be born again to get to heaven. And as you keep doing it, you're going to learn more and more. Amen. So in recap, Metro Praise International has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people. A strategy of connect, mentor, and send. And a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Praise God. Who's excited to give this morning? Tithes and offerings belong to the Lord. Come on, I got some excited people in the house today. Metro Praise believes that the Bible teaches that a tithe is a 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. We designate our offerings towards missions and building fund. We love the missions. We love the mission field. We love to give towards various mission projects throughout the year. We are able to do that as a church because of your generosity. Each and every one of us has a part to play to get Bibles out to different countries, to get materials, the materials that we have, the 101 and 201 books. People from other countries want that. And we also have the opportunity to help plant under other churches and be a support network for people starting churches in other cities. It's a powerful thing. Thank you for your generosity. And our building fund right now that we're currently in is for the new band equipment. We've already done the stage. We've already got the new lighting. So Metro Praise, continue to be generous. Give with a cheerful heart. God is blessing his people. And the more we give, the more he'll give back so that it could go through us. Amen. Let's get into our lesson this morning. In the Disciples Giving book, we're on section one, lesson 10. I'll give you guys a few moments if you want to turn there, disciple, um, disciplesgivingbook.org, or you can follow along on the screen. It's a 52-lesson book for 52 weeks out of the year, so one lesson every single week about tithes and offerings. Here is lesson 10, the tithe advances God's kingdom. Say God's kingdom. We're not advancing our own kingdom. We're advancing the kingdom of God. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. That's the definition for this uh, section. Let's read in Malachi 3, 10 through 12. Malachi 3, 10 through 12. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. How many of you guys love Jesus? Isn't that powerful? Here are the three main points from that passage of scripture. Number one, the whole tithe goes to the storehouse. Say the whole tithe. Just like how the storehouse was the temple in the Old Testament, 
in the New Testament, it is the church. So God wants his church blessed so that it can meet the needs of the community. How many of you guys are excited and are thankful that we can meet the needs of the community in this city? And this is just one community. How, how can uh, You could just imagine as we keep growing how many communities get reached by the people's faithfulness to giving. We have to do it. We have to advance God's kingdom on this earth, and it will take our finances to do it. Amen? Number two, if you bless God's house, he will bless your house. Though God could give us commands without blessings, nothing in return, just do it because I said so, but he's not that type of a God. He is generous and loves to lavish those who give to him. And we'll never be in want. We'll always be provided for when we put God's kingdom first. Take care of God's business, then he'll take care of your business. Amen? Number three, God blesses a nation through his people. When the people of God are blessed, the land in which they live in is blessed. How many of you guys want America to be blessed? It's going to happen through the church. Politicians, the next president, that's not our answer. The church of Jesus Christ upon the earth, working to the, her full potential, being effective in the gospel of Jesus, is the only answer for America to be blessed and come back to Jesus. Therefore, every citizen should be a tither for the sake of their nation's prosperity. Let's do it, church. Let's be that. Here's a summary. Giving to God advances his kingdom in our personal lives, in the church, and the nation in which we live. Isn't that powerful? Here are two ways that you could apply this. Number one, give your whole tithe cheerfully. Say cheerfully. With a smile on your face to God's storehouse, his church, so that you can be a vessel of God's blessing. Remember what God gives to you, he wants to go through you. So he doesn't give just so we can store it up because nothing that we have on this earth will we be able to take with us. We will leave this earth one day, friends. Everything that we store for ourselves on here, we're storing treasures in heaven. We want to put into our bank account there. Number two, pray for your nation to repent of greed and disobedience for everyone to become faithful in their tithes. Stats show that if all the Christians would tithe, we could end world hunger, give every person clean water, and have a gospel preaching church for all unreached people groups. That is a very, very serious thing. And I've shared with you before that Americans give more to pet food than they give to their church. It's very serious. And so the the answer to America is Jesus, and it's going to happen through the body of Christ. Let's stand up to, your, to our feet this morning. Let's confess this over our life. I'm actually supposed to have you confess it sitting down, so I'm sorry, but you can keep standing for right now. On the count of three, let's recite this. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Praise the Lord. What an awesome blessing that we get to be co-laborers with Christ. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income given to the church regularly. We designate our offerings towards missions and building. And on the envelope, we just want to keep reminding you every week to make sure that the amount that you want to go towards each of these categories is very clear on the envelope. You can simply write it in. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering here at the front. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. 
Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You could see Pastor Griselda for that today. And number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. We make it very convenient and simple for you. Here's the update for our new band equipment. Give yourselves a round of applause and glory to God. We have raised $4,122 thus far for our building fund that we're getting to raise for the new band equipment. So we have $6,998. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Every single penny and dollar counts. It's God's people coming together and making things happen. So if you haven't joined us on this journey for the building fund for 2016, we want you to, number one, pray and ask God what you should give. Number two, listen to what the Holy Spirit says. Be obedient. And three, give and give generously with a cheerful heart. Praise the Lord. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4:18 and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your bountiful blessings. We know, God, that your word is true, and you will pour out a blessing upon us that we will not have room to receive. When we seek you first, put your kingdom first. When we remain faithful to the tithe and the offering, God, we know, God, that your kingdom will be advanced. And I just pray, that God, that you bless the gift and the giver this morning. I pray that you bless your people, prosper them on the job, give them favor and mercy and goodness to follow them all the days of their life. Bring increase to us, O oh God, so that we can keep on giving Lord, so that we could see your kingdom come to this city, come to America, and the gospel to be preached to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you so much for your generosity. You love Jesus. Can I get a whoop whoop? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. Now listen, I am so excited about starting a new sermon series for the month of March. We're preparing for Easter. 
I want all of you to believe God with me for your family to come and your friends this Easter, the last Sunday of the month, and give their heart to Jesus, especially, you know, those who don't know the Lord. And so this is my partnership with you. I want to ask you to Facebook me the names of the people you are going to invite to this church Easter, and I want to partner with you in prayer. Can I do that? So I want you to put down your mother's name, your father's name, your auntie's name, your uncle, your brother, your sister, your son, co-workers, neighbors, and email them. Uh, you can just uh, put a, a Facebook message. If you don't have a Facebook, you're lame. You need to get a Facebook half kid there or whatever. Anyways, if you need my email, it's jyrostick, just jyrostick at mpichurch.org, but I prefer Facebook. I want to pray for your family to come, and each week I'm going to stop as we get ready for Easter at this time and pray with you right now that God is going to use you to hand out the flyers, to give out the invitations so that this place will be packed and overflowing. Can you imagine how this is going to be on Easter? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be packed. There's going to be singing from our children. That always blesses people. There is going to be testimonies from people in this church that God has changed their lives and it's going to encourage people to have faith that God can change their life and then we're going to have a powerful powerful sermon about the abundant life of God and I pray that they're going to get saved. Are you guys ready for that? Okay, so before I start praying, I want you to think of three people. Let's start with three. Start with three people you want to see give their lives to Jesus this Easter. Okay, three people, maybe neighbors, family members. And then I want you now just to close your eyes with me. Close your eyes with me, and I want you to imagine. Come on, use your faith and imagination, not just for winning the lottery. Let's imagine them coming to this church, sitting in these chairs with tears in their eyes or smiles on their faces, accepting Jesus. And let's pray now. Father, we ask you right now that Easter will be filled with our friends and family, that they will come through these doors, God, and they will hear the message of eternal salvation. They will repent of their sins and be born again, Lord. They will experience the new birth that we've experienced. They'll have the joy of heaven inside their soul, O oh God. And I pray today, God, whatever work of Satan that is against them, whatever lies of the enemy are upon them, that you would break them right now in the name of Jesus, that addictions would break, that false religion would break, that laziness would break, depression would break, oh God, and that, Lord, you would set them free and that they would come to these altars, God. They would come to this church joyfully saying, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. And now, Lord, with our faith in these prayers in you, we ask you now to use us, to use us to invite them, to pray for them this month, to do our part in being co-laborers with you. May we hand them the flyer. May we preach the gospel to them. May we invite them over for dinner and lunch, call them on the phone, and make every effort so that our hands would be clean, God, that we would not be held responsible for not preaching to them but that, Lord, you would use us and that our feet would not stink, but they would be beautiful because you said how beautiful are the feet are th of those who bring good news. May we bring the aroma of Christ wherever we go this month. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Now, how many believe God is going to do that? What I want you to do, if you believe God is an amazing Savior, I want you to stand to your feet with me, which is going to be the tradition for this sermon series. Stand to your feet. 
We are going to sing a hymn each and every week dedicated unto the greatness of our God. Now, here's the thing. If I can sing this hymn, please put up the lyrics. If I can sing it, you better sing it too, okay? Because I am a terrible singer. I, I am terrible, but I will make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Oh, gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name Jesus the name that charms our fears that bids our sorrows cease tis music in the sinner's ears tis life and health and peace he breaks the power of cancelled sin he sets the prisoner free his blood can make the foulest clean his blood availed for me. Give it up for Jesus. Come on. Whoop, whoop. Amen. You may be seated. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. How many are ready to live the new life today? Are you ready? How many are already living the new life? How many would say, I'm saved, Pastor? Amen. Do you know that you're saved? Has God come into your life? Well, that if that's already you, then you're going to be encouraged today. But if you're a visitor, we're so glad you're here. And we're going to share this message with you as well because new life is for everybody. Everybody can receive new life in Jesus Christ. New life is a promise of God, and it's found all throughout the Bible, as you will see today. In John chapter 10, you see Jesus here is teaching the people about the thief and about himself, the Son of God. I'm using the translation called the Amplified Translation because it adds a lot of amplification with adjectives to help us understand the original Greek of the New Testament, to see clearly what Jesus meant when he said these words. Follow along in your version, but also look at the screen if you can. Jesus said, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. That's what the thief does. But Jesus says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Can I get an amen? You see, my friends, you need to know the difference today between the thief and the son of God. Somebody say the thief. The thief in the Bible is also known as Satan, the devil. He is that liar from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. He has an assignment that he only can do. He cannot do anything other than these things. Jesus said, steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, that means to rob and take from our humanity our relationship with God. And when you look in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, man walked in the garden with God, saw him face to face, and yet the devil came to steal that from us, to take away that authority, to take away that dominion, that privilege that we had. Some people say, why is the world the way it is? Where is God? Oh, God's been here all along, but we've turned our back on him. You see, we gave the devil authority upon this earth. The devil stole it from us. God gave us the garden. Who did, who did God give the garden to? Come on, who did God give the garden to? To us. But when we sinned, who did we give it to? 
The devil, we gave up that authority. He stole it from us. He stole it from us. And then we see that he not only steals, he's not just happy with that. He wants to kill. That means he wants to put to death all of mankind's God's given, all of mankind's God-given purposes, plans, and hopes. I remember my mother saying to me when I got saved, she said, you know what? That devil wasn't just happy with stealing from you. He wanted to kill you and destroy you. And you see, the very thing he used against me, God turned for good because as things were dying in my life, it made me wonder something might be wrong. And so, my friends, I want to tell you today that all the death that we see in this world comes from Satan and the penalty of sin. That's why your body has to die. You cannot live on forever in this body. It is suffering the penalty of sin from Adam and Eve. And not only does the physical body must die, and our hope is in the resurrection, which we'll talk about at Easter, but everything the devil touches dies. You see, when we look at Lady Gaga right now, we see her living, we see her making money, and we think, where is death in all of that? But what we don't understand is that God did not call her to run naked across the stage, to sing, I was born this way, to have uh, affections towards things that God has said not to do. See, what has happened is spiritual death is already with her, and because she dresses it up pretty, we think that maybe God hasn't kept his word. But my friend, her body will die, her soul will face judgment, and if she has not repented for her wickedness, she will die an eternal death in the lake of fire. And then she will say, I followed the devil here, and he lied to me. He deceived me. He deceived her. And I know I like to pick on some of the famous people, Lady Gaga, Oprah Winfrey, but they're great examples. Because when we look at a Miley Cyrus or Lady Gaga, we say, well, I'm not like that, Pastor. I'm a beautiful housewife. I live at home with my husband. I take care of my kids. I work a job. Oh, yeah, right. You like Oprah? Yeah, I enjoy the show. Well, you know what? Oprah teaches another way to cry. She says that you can find God within you and that all religions are are just like a buffet, a, a choice among many. You can choose a little Jesus with a little hamburger, a little pizza. Wherever you go on that buffet, you can find a little God there because God is everywhere. But you see, my friends, as subtle as that seems, as prosperous as her life classes seem to be, we will see on Judgment Day that this is really spiritual death and that when her body dies, because no matter what religion she follows, she can't spare herself of death, she will then be sentenced eternally to eternal death, the lake of fire. My friends, the thief will deceive her, steal from her, and kill her. I pray for her repentance. I pray for your repentance. Don't fall for the lies of the devil. He's a thief. He's going to kill the plans God has for you. He's going to kill the hopes that he has for you. Even if they look good now, if they're not God's, they will die. The Bible says, what is the flesh of man? It's nothing but a flower in the field. That's here for a little bit and then gone. And another illustration, God said, what is man but a breath? <sighs> here and gone. My friends, do not be deceived. The devil will steal from you, and he will cause you eternal death. But then... He is not just happy with your death. He is not just happy with a few of us going to hell. He wants to destroy mankind. Why? The angels were made to bring God glory, but they were never made in God's image. They didn't have the image of God, or in Latin, the imago Dei. What we see in the garden is that God makes man special in his image. In the image of God, God created them, and male and female. And so we see that when 
Satan comes as this fallen angel. He possesses this serpent and he lies to them. But you see, he's not just wanting Adam and Eve's purpose to be killed and them to be destroyed and to steal the plans God has for them. No, he did it because he wants to see the entire human race be destroyed. Look at Jesus' words again. Don't take my word for it. Jesus taught you this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and what? destroy. Some of us have asked that question. If the devil knows he's already punished himself because as a fallen angel he disobeyed God and now he knows he's going to hell, why does he take such pleasure in stealing, killing, and destroying? Here's my best answer for that question. He believes somehow in his twisted mind that if he can get the human race to be damned, the Father will have compassion on the human race and on him and give them all another chance after death. That's my best explanation that if he can stand at judgment and say, God, look at all of those you'll have to send to hell. See, I tricked them. Now have compassion on all of us. Then they will all get another chance after death. But you see, my friends, the devil's a liar. He's deceived his own self. He will not be able to save himself after death. And Jesus even taught in the parables that the way of destruction is wide, but the way to life is narrow. So Jesus is ready on judgment day to send many to hell and to destruction and only save a few. If you don't believe me, look at Noah's ark. Only eight were saved. Eight were saved. Noah, his wife, and their three children and their three wives. The entire human race was destroyed at that time. Are you listening to me? Historians believe it could have been as high as 10 million people destroyed in the flood. God saved eight. Some may say, Lord, have mercy. Do not believe that after you die, you will have another choice or another chance. This is the only choice and chance that you have. And the devil's chances are over, and God is only using him for a temporary time so that we will see the wickedness of sin, the darkness of evil, and choose the light. Because if anybody in this world has rejected Christ, they deserve hell because they've seen the worst of destruction, the death of children, natural disasters, and the deceivingness of Satan. And yet in this world, they don't cry out and ask for help and repent and believe in a Savior who died on the cross, they will then suffer eternity in hell, getting exactly what they want, a godless eternity. But if you're in this dark world and you see that there's hope through Christ and you want the light, that shows that you truly desire God. And that's why you will have God for eternity. Heaven's not just about streets of gold and those kinds of things. Heaven is where God is. Do you want to be where God is? That's why people love coming to church on Sundays because we want to be where God is with our brothers and sisters. That's why I love teaching my children songs and praying with them at the house and doing Bible studies. It's because wherever two or three or more of us are gathered together, he's there in our midst. Don't get it twisted, my friend. Sometimes the devil will come like that bully at the playground, push you down, and then look away and point to another person and say, that guy did it. The devil loves to see destruction in the world, people dying in this world, and he loves to see the people's joy stolen from them, and then he points people back at God and say, it's God's fault. Look at what God did. God lets you be born in that family of a child molester. God lets you be born in a nation of poverty. God lets you get that disease. But you see, that's all from the devil. Jesus said, come on, somebody say, Jesus said. I'm saying what Jesus said. He said the thief, that old serpent, the devil, he comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Why do little children get sick and die? The thief, the thief. Why is it today there's gangs and violence? The thief, the thief. Why is it there death and destruction among governments and world powers? The thief, the thief. So who today will know the difference and stop trying to make excuses but rather come to the Son of God and reject the thief? Come to the Son of God who died for us so that we could have eternal life. Look at what Jesus said he came to do. He came to give life. Everybody say, give life. Some of you need to see this in the Bible. How many want to look at the Bible a little bit? Go with me to the book of John chapter 1. The book of John chapter 1 tells us who was there in the beginning when man was created male and female. Those of you who have skipped ahead or already know this, who was there in the beginning? It was Jesus In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word, y'all? Jesus. The Jesus, the Son of God, rather, that we know is the Word. Now, we've talked about the Trinity here. Jesus is God, like the Father, but he is not the Father. So how should we read John 1.1? It's explained in 1.18. We'll get to that in a moment. But in the beginning was Jesus, the Son of God. And the Son of God was with God the Father. And Jesus, the Son of God, was God like the Father. Are you understanding that? The Trinity doesn't teach that there's three gods or that there's just one person of God being a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, there's one God in three separate persons, yet they share divinity together. Now, so that we don't get into a talk of the Trinity, you can go to Bible study and learn that. But listen, he, the Word of God, verse 2, was with God the Father in the beginning. Through him some things were made. Is that what it says? In verse 3, through him some things were made. What does it say? Through him how many things? So through Jesus all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him, and who is the him there? In who? Jesus was life. And that life was the light of how many of mankind? All mankind. So who was the one walking in the garden? What's his name? Who was the one that created mankind? Who was the one that breathed life into them? Jesus. Now you see, Jesus, as he's talking in John 10.10, says, Hey, I know that thief. I was there in the beginning with my father. I watched him fall from heaven like lightning. I was there when man was created in my image, in his image. I was there when I breathed into man and made him a living being. I was there when they lost the spiritual life I gave them and gave authority to the devil. And here he says, and now I'm back on the scene, crispy and clean, hallelujah, to breathe life again into the men's hearts and souls. The same way that Jesus breathed at the beginning into Adam and Eve and gave them life is the same way he will breathe into your soul now and make you spiritually alive. Everybody say now. Do you believe the Bible? Just look at it. I said I would show you in verse 18 that we know who Jesus is and the Father is. Look at it. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. And now go to John 3.16. How many love that verse? If you've never heard it, you're going to hear the best verse in the whole Bible in my humble opinion. For God, and you could say it like this, for God the Father loved the whole world, that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? 
eternal life. God created us in the garden in his image through Jesus breathing life into us to have eternal life. When the devil came as a thief to take it from us, Jesus came back to die on the cross for us to restore what the devil took. Hallelujah. The devil doesn't win. Hallelujah. Jesus wins. And when does eternal life start? It starts right now, right here. That's what Jesus said. Now, you know what's amazing about this, and some of you know my daughter's name, but the word here for life in the Greek is zoe. Everybody say zoe. And this Greek word for life literally means life without end, the God kind of life. The same Jesus, think about it, my friends, in John chapter 1, who had life in him and gave it to mankind, is the same Jesus that died on the cross to give it back to sinners. That is what this whole sermon series is all about. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life. Now, do you understand the difference between Zoe, the spiritual life, and the life we see everybody living right now? The life we live right now is a fleshly carnal life, and we'll die, and without Christ, we'll go to hell for eternal death. But if right now, in this carnal life, in this life of flesh, we accept Christ, he will give us eternal life that even goes beyond the grave. And then did you know that Jesus rose from the dead on the what day? Third day. And why was that so important? Because Jesus not only wants us to have spiritual life, but he also wants us to have a new body. And so when Christ comes back, he will make our bodies like him, and everything will be back to what it was in the garden. You could say it like this. The garden was lost through Satan, but the garden was redeemed and brought back through Jesus Christ. And in the last days, Jesus will restore the garden of Eden upon this earth. He said, may the kingdom of God come upon this earth as it is in heaven heaven. How many want to see his will be done even right now? Amen. The Son of God came to give life, but he didn't just come to give any kind of life or an ordinary life. He came to give an enjoyable life, a life full of joy. Turn with me quickly to Psalm 1611. Look at your neighbor and say, this is just the introduction. I am going as fast as I can to get through the introduction. Please be patient with me. I do have a message to preach. How many like hearing the preacher preach? Can I hear an amen? We're going to preach today, but i got to get you the introduction. Some of you don't know the difference between the thief and the son of God. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You see, the sad thing about many Americans today is they have more technology than any other generation, running water, uh, electricity, all of these things, and more financial blessings than any other generation, three meals a day, clothes filling out your closet, and yet we're the most unhappiest we've ever been. We need to go back to understanding what makes a person happy. It's not the things that they own. It's not the things that they do necessarily. And I'm going to my doctoral studies Monday, so pray for me, amen? It's not necessarily necessarily the education, or even our families. Even though I love my family so much, my wife and my children, God taught us from the very beginning that the path of joy, that the path of life, an enjoyable life, would only be found in Him, and then through Him, pleasures would come. 
Without God in your life, family can become a burden. Without God in your life, your job can become a burden. Without God in your life, the things of this world can become burdens. But with Christ in your life, you can find joy in being a janitor. With Christ in your life, you can find joy being a single mom. You can find joy doing whatever you do, whatever family situation you're in, because you know joy comes from the presence of God, and God is in you. And eternal pleasures are at his right hand. I talk to suffering saints all the time. Oh, me, oh, my, Pastor, you just don't understand. You just don't understand, Pastor, it's so hard. Well, what's going on? Well, they fired me. And I understand losing a job is hard. But, my friends, how is it the martyrs were burned alive with smiles on their faces? You lose a job. You want to quit on God in church. You forgot the thief, didn't you? But some of you want to quit on God in church, and then you want to blame God and have a pity patty party. Well, why don't I take your prayer request and send it to my brothers in Pakistan today to have them lift you up in prayer as they're suffering under Muslim oppression with smiles on their faces? Maybe, my friends, you'll learn how to fight a spiritual battle and understand that joy comes from the presence of God. So if I got problems, I better get his presence. I'm going to say that again. If I got problems, I better get his presence. If you are letting the problems of this world change your attitude, you are not doing what God called you to do. Jesus, for the joy set before him, could endure the cross. You see, you have to see the joy of God in all that you do. See, the cross wasn't, a, wasn't an amusement park of Rome. The cross was a place of torture and torment, but Jesus, Hebrew says, saw the joy set before him and endured the cross. If you can see the joy of Christ set before you, you can endure any problem or pain in your life. Can I hear an amen? Just talk to some saints who have been around for a while. I don't shout on Sundays because everything's going okay. I shout on Sundays because God is good and his presence is with me. I don't come here just saying glory, hallelujah, and worshiping God because everybody likes me and everything in my life is always going well. No, I come here and sing glory to God because despite my circumstances in my situations, God is still worthy of the praise. God is worthy of the glory due his name. And I get a taste of heaven, as the old timers used to say, that I get a taste of heaven as I praise God because as the praises go up, the blessings come down. And I don't just mean to say that like a preacher on Sunday. I'm talking about burying my sister because she died drinking and driving and me going into my car singing to Jesus while tears coming down my eyes. I'm talking about experiencing real stuff in life in God's joy being unspeakable and full of glory and the joy of the Lord becoming my strength. I'm just wondering if anybody here wants to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm just wondering if anybody here wants to believe that God came to give you more than just any kind of life, but an enjoyable life despite your circumstances and your situations. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he says, I came to give you life and an enjoyable life in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the troubles. Look at Psalms, Psalms 23. It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thou art with me. I'm not going to fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Now watch this. You set before me a table in the presence of my enemies. He didn't say you wouldn't have enemies. He just said when them enemies come to attack you, I'm going to set out my blessings in my presence and my pleasures before you so you can endure the battle you got to fight. 
He then said that he anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over, and look at what the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Somebody say, mercy, Lord. Somebody say, goodness, Jesus. That's what the Bible promises to us. That's what the Bible says. Look at Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans 14, 17, somebody say an enjoyable life. An enjoyable life. Paul and Silas were locked in a jail cell. They were persecuted for being Christians. Persecuted. And in the middle of the night, what did they start doing? Singing songs to God and the jail cell broke open. You want to see the jail cell of depression break open? You want to see a breakthrough in your life? Learn how to start praising God despite the circumstances. I'm not saying it's going to be easy to your flesh. You may feel dumb singing songs all by yourself in your room when everybody else is freaking out. But I'm telling you, a moment with the Lord will change your life. I'm telling you that even though weeping endures for the night, joy comes in the morning. You will see he keeps his word. How many singing saints do I have here today? How many people believe when they praise and find joy in God, it actually comes? I used to get high. I'm not here to glorify drugs or my past, but I know what it's like to be high. Don't tell me that I don't get high on Jesus. There ain't no high like the most high, baby. You better give Jesus a try. The very thing that stuck out to me when I got saved November 5th, 1995 at my mother's kitchen table with drugs in my pocket, the thing that stuck out to me, people, was that I got lit on Jesus. And I literally said to myself at my mother's kitchen table, man, why not do this sooner? Why did I waste so much time busting and disgusted, doing all of these drugs, getting drunk, trying to have sex, when literally the pleasure of my soul hallelujah, was the light of God. And it was literally as if, I mean, everything else looked dark. Everything else was nothing in comparison but dung. Anybody else get saved? You all looking at the preacher like I'm the only one saved. Is anybody else saved here? Has anybody else ever tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Has anybody else said, I don't need to get drunk on wine, but I just need to get filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be good. Amen? For the kingdom of God, this is Paul talking, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. That's fun. If you reduce every party down to what it's really going to be about, it's going to be eating or drinking. Some of y'all might say dancing, amen, the bochata, the merengue, you know, the running man. You know, There we go. You know, oh, yeah, okay, well, then the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating, drinking, and dancing because all of those things will fade. Every party will end. Every celebration will end, but the kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, that's a kingdom without end. That's a club that never shuts down. That's a well that never runs dry. See, Jesus said, I came to give you life, enable you to enjoy that life, and praise God where we get our sermon series from. He came to give us an abundant life. That enjoyable life would not just have a shallow well. That enjoyable life would be deep as the love of God is deep. Can I ask you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 1? Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Look at how deep the love of God goes for us and his blessings in our life. I'm not trying to paint a yellow brick road or that you'll always be, you know, having everything go your way. I hope you don't hear that today. But are you hearing today that no matter what you're going through, God is still good? Are you hearing that there's joy in the midst of the pain? Are you hearing that today? Are you hearing today that God's kingdom is of righteousness, peace, and joy no matter what happens around you? 
You may say, Pastor, what happens if this person gets elected? What happens if this person? My friend, the world has been in turmoil since the beginning, and it's only getting worse. But I can tell you where peace starts. It starts within in your relationship with Christ. I can tell you where righteousness and right living starts. It starts with your heart and right with Christ. Amen. And I can tell you where joy comes from. It comes from Christ in your soul. And look at what he said here, Ephesians 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us with some blessings. Is that what it says? No, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many blessings do you have in Christ today? Is there anything good that you'll ever have in this life that will come from someone other than Christ? No, don't be deceived, my friends. Don't be deceived. If you think something is good and it's not coming from Christ or Christ's ways and Christ's teachings, it is not good. It is the poison of that apple or that fruit that Adam and Eve took. It may look good to the eyes. When Adam and Eve saw that fruit, it says it looked good. It looked appealing. It looked like they wanted to eat it. It looked like it was going to be good for them, but it cost them their eternal soul. How many want to see God today fill them with spiritual blessings? You know, that's what this passage is teaching us. That's what the introduction is about today. And I've been preaching my heart out so I can get to the message that I have to get to to teach you this today. But I want you to look at that verse and tell me if I did my job today. Did I help explain it? Did I, did I you know, teach it to you in a way where you see the light of what Christ was teaching us here? Here it is one more time. The thief comes only in order to steal to kill and destroy. I came, Jesus said, that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. How many believe that? Amen. I hope you do because that's what the message is based on. If you don't believe that, you won't understand what I'm teaching you next. You have to know the difference between the thief and the Son of God. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Son of God, the one who gave us life in the garden, came to die on the cross for our sins that we may have life, an enjoyable life, and have it to the full. In the ESV study Bible, one of these theologians said it like this. Jesus' promise of an abundant life begins already in the here and now and brings to mind the Old Testament prophecies about abundant blessing found in Ezekiel 34. Jesus calls his followers not to a gloomy, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential, but to a rich, full, joyful life, one overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God in continual fellowship with his people. I think that's pretty good. This man of God spent some time to put that together, and I hope you get it. My friends, I'm one of the most realest pastors you'll ever hear. I'm a 100% pastor. I keep it 100. I keeps it real. And I will tell you, life gets tough. I'll tell you, people won't always like you. I'll tell you, you'll be tempted to sin. That's all true. But my friend, you were, you were called. You were called to have a continual fellowship with God. You are meant to be all that God calls you to be. There is no excuse that Jesus will say on judgment day is acceptable in his sight. It's either his word or it's not. You either build your house upon the rock of his word, that's a parable that he said, or you build your house on something else and it will be like sand. Both houses in Jesus' parable received a storm, had a storm and great winds blew and great rains came down, but the only one that survived the storm was the one built upon the rock. And I want to tell you today, you will face storms in life, you will stay, face troubles, but you need to build your life upon the rock. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now somebody say, preach the message, pastor. 
Amen. Now here's the message in two simple slides for your viewing pleasure and for you to consider today. See, I just preached to you the message of what the Bible calls salvation. That Jesus came to give life. That he came to give it to you now. That John 3.16 said that you're not to perish but have eternal life. That Jesus came to breathe new life into your spirit. That you're to be born again. I just preached to you, in summary, the message of Jesus. How many would say you heard a good understanding of salvation, right? The life of God. You understand it. But here's the problem now that I see with people in this church that struggle with knowing Jesus and living it out. And the problem problem, of course, that I see outside of this church, and that is people will hear this message that I just preached, and somehow in their mind, they will think that what God is doing is something called progressive salvation, and if you think about it in the idea of downloading something from the internet, you can think about it in like a progress bar, as you see on the illustration. And these can be annoying when you got to get something done, right? You're waiting for that thing to upload or download, and, and it says 10%. 20%, 30%, and, and you're waiting, you're saying, come on, man, I got things to do, come on. And that's the way people view salvation. Many times they'll hear everything I just preached, and then they'll turn into their Bible, Second Flesh, chapter 2, verse 11. Some of y'all didn't get that. I'll say it again. They'll, they'll turn in their Bible to Second Flesh, what their fleshly mind thinks, chapter 2, verse 11. Well, let me get there. And then this is how they'll view salvation. They'll say, Pastor, amen, amen, amen. And then I'll say, well, live your new life. And then they'll say, God is still working on me. And one day I'll be who he wants me to be because nobody is perfect. And so what they want is just this kind of mediocre, mediocre life, and they want to use Christianity as an excuse. And so they'll see it like this. Well, Pastor, you know, when I came to Jesus, I was a zero. But after the last two years of me reading my Bible, I'm about 10% Christian now. Only got 90% of the devil still in me. God's working on me, Pastor. God's going to get that 90% out of me. And then you talk to them a little bit later. Oh, pastor, I'm working on you. God's working on me, and I'm working on this. And it's almost like you can see them as a little hamster on a wheel, just, oh, I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it. And they never, never get to the place where they confess with their mouth, I am who God said I am, and I can do what God said I can do. Because in their mind, they keep thinking that salvation is a progress. My friends, that's a false religious belief. This is the core of Satanism. Now hear me. I don't mean 666, Marilyn Manson Satanism, Marilyn Manson Satanism. I mean Satanic origin, Garden of Eden, the very first lie that you can become your own God, that you work out this salvation your own way and determine the steps you take, and when you ain't ready, you ain't ready, and you become in charge. That is satanic in all ways. What salvation is, is bowing your knee to the lordship of Jesus. 
Lord means master and boss. It means confessing that you're nothing without him, but with him you can do everything he said you can do. Jesus was not playing a trick with Peter when he called him out onto the water. It, of course, is impossible to walk on water, but with Christ and his word, Peter was able to walk on the water. It was only when he turned his eyes away from Christ and turned to his own self-effort and fears that he began to sink. And so salvation comes from the Lord. It is sustained by God, and it is the power by which we live for God. I am not doing good works to be saved. I can now do good works because I'm saved. I am not trying to come out of the birth canal of the spiritual rebirth. I have been born again, and now as a child or daughter of God, we can learn to obey God. And that's what the Bible says. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, this is called complete salvation. Somebody say complete salvation. Therefore, if anyone, somebody say anyone. Does this count for people with same-sex attractions? Are they in anyone? Does this, count, does this count for a gangbanger? Are they in anyone? Does this, count, does this count for somebody doing drugs? Does this count for somebody that's a Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist, another? Hello, are they in anyone? Anyone in this church, anyone in this world, if they are in Christ, the new creation has come, baby. The old has gone. The new is here. 100% bang, new life ready. New life download, bing, born again. Born again now, ahora, today, today, right now, new life, boom, you got it. No waiting. Come on, come on, AOL. Some of you remember the dial-up services. Come on, AOL. Get on, get on, get on, get on. Five, 10, 15 years. I'm still waiting to get saved, Pastor. No, the moment the person accepts Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is right here. And so I want to ask you today as a church to be honest with yourself. Do you believe in the false doctrine of progressive salvation or do you believe in the biblical teachings of Jesus Christ of complete salvation? That when Christ saved you, you were saved. Listen to the words in the Bible. When you were born again, you were literally born again. When you were made a new creation, you were made a new creation. If not, I got some helpful pointers and some points for us to look at to see which one you really are. Can I hear an amen? amen? So let's look at some differences here. Let's contrast them, and you'll have to decide where you are at. You see, pro progressive salvation focuses on self-effort. Complete salvation focuses on what Jesus did. When I say I'm a new creation, it's not because I went to the gym of religious works and started working out more. When I say I am who Christ said I am, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross. When Jesus said it is finished, it literally was finished. So I started my Christian walk, listen to this everybody, at the finish line. I am not trying to earn my way to heaven. Roman Catholics do not have an assurance of heaven. They might trip and fall and find themselves in purgatory. Hello, somebody. Islam does not have a security of the believer that follows Islam. Even Muhammad said, I'm not sure on the scales of judgment what it will be like for me. And by the way, that is very much how Christians believe of judgment, that your good works will be weighed against your bad works. That is an Islamic concept. And if your good works outweigh your bad, you get into heaven or paradise. That is a false satanic belief. The only ones that have their name written in the Lamb's book of life who are those who have confessed Jesus as Lord. 
not have tried to earn their way to heaven. The Bible says in Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast, for we are Christ's workmanship created in God to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. You see, progressive salvation focuses on self-effort. Those who know they're saved, they focus on what Jesus did. Progressive salvation makes little of the gospel. Oh, I've heard that before. Jesus died on the cross. I tried that before. Well, you know, I've, I've read about that before. But, you know, it just didn't work for me. You know, i got to add a little something extra. Listen to me. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The gospel plus nothing equals everything. If that's not working for you, you're working it wrong. If you have said, I've confessed Christ and I've come to be born again, and your experience is not similar to mine, then you have not been born again. You, oh, I got some of y'all looking at me like, I got to go to the Bible right now. Okay, hey, I will preach it while I preach it, amen. Y'all looking at me like, you better show it to me. I will show it to you. Hello, somebody say amen. Oh, I'll show it to you right now. I love showing this stuff to you. I love it. Look at 1 John chapter 1. Whoever says I, 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, whoever says I know him, I tried that, I tried that, but does not do what he commands is a, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete. Complete. Somebody say complete in them. I'm talking about total salvation, complete salvation. This is how we know we are in him. How do I know I'm complete in him? Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So if I'm listening to me, my friends, if you meet a millionaire and they don't got a million bucks, what are they? If they say, I should say, if you meet, you meet somebody and they say they're a millionaire and they don't have a million dollars, what, what, what are they? If somebody says they can dunk the ball and they can't dunk the ball, what are they? If somebody says, I know Jesus, but don't live like Jesus, what are they? Come on, somebody. Believe the Bible today. Don't believe what your friend said. So the person who believes in progressive salvation just makes little of the gospel. Well, I've done that. No, but the person who's a, who's a completely saved person, everything's the gospel. They make the gospel big. When you hear me tell me, my, when I tell you my testimony, when you hear that, you don't hear me tell you all the things I did to change myself. You hear a testimony of 30 seconds, Jesus changed me. Not 12 steps, one step, Jesus changed me. Jesus got the glory, hallelujah. People who believe in progressive salvation, they enjoy sin. Because really down deep, they don't want to quit it. They love it. They love sin. They love living with the girlfriend they're not married to, shacking up, having sex outside of marriage. They love that pornography account. They love stealing and ripping off on their taxes. They love talking bad about people. They love staying bitter. Even in their own pain, they love to keep on to unforgiveness because on the inside, they want to be in control of what's right and wrong. But the person who's completely says, man, to hell with sin. I want to go to heaven with Jesus and righteousness. I'm not going to hell with the devil. What is there for me? When, when, when I am tempted now, there is a great reality in my heart after serving God for 20 years like this. There is, I'm not saying I don't get tempted, I do, but there is a great reality of the trash of this world to the glories of God. And some of you need to get that ta taste of trash out your mouth and get hooked on Jesus and what it tastes like. The righteousness of God is beyond anything. I had sex before I was married, but now that I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the whole world, I'm telling you, when I get tempted by that lying devil to have sex outside of marriage, I just think of the glories I found in my marriage. I know people that have walked away from it, but it's the righteousness and the joy of God that keeps me there. Other people in progressive salvation, they misuse God's grace to live on holy. Well, God will forgive me. 
God will forgive me. God understands. God will forgive me. And they use grace as if they are a tightrope walker, keep jumping off the tightrope like it's a diving board into the net. The net wasn't there for you to have fun and keep doing double backflips off of. The net is there as you progress and decide that I want to go to the other side and do this thing. You see, one guy says, or one person says, I'm going to use God's grace to keep living unholy. The other one says, I'm going to use God's grace to live holy. One uses it as an excuse to stay unholy and say, well, I'll just keep getting forgiven. The other one says, because he's forgiven me, I'm going to stay holy and clean. The other one justifies their sin by comparison. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad, Pastor. <laughs> I know you're not talking about me, Pastor. I'm not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. It's just slow. Oh, I can't even tell you what that makes me want to do, but you're seeing it on my I'm not that bad, Pastor. I'm not that bad. You're not that bad? One sin. How many sins got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden? Did they sell crack, murder, molest kids? What did they do? They disobeyed God. One sin, one disobedience is worthy of death and hell. You're not good before God. You just have the wrong standard of good. Stop justifying your sin by Hitler. Compare your sin to Jesus and repent quickly. Number six, those who believe in progressive salvation just keep neglecting God's word. I'll get to that. It worked for others but not for me, and I'll try it maybe another way. But look at number six. The one who believes in complete salvation abides in God's word. God's word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The other one is powerless against sin and temptation. Well, I just couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help myself. I was on Facebook, and then I saw that ad, and I went to binghooters.com, and I just couldn't help myself. And that's the guy talking, by the way. And I just couldn't help myself, Pastor. Well, you know why? It's because you make little of Jesus. You make little of the gospel. You act as if you are a slave to Christ and the devil. You can't serve two masters, my friend. You see, the one who's truly born again defeats sin and temptation with the word of God. And that means if they get caught in it, they don't make excuses and they say, I am a sinner, forgive me, Jesus, because they want to live holy. Number eight, they give the devil too much credit. Well, that devil's working on me, Pastor. Devil's attacking me. The devil's doing it. No, the, the one who lives in complete salvation considers the devil already defeated. John chapter, First uh, John chapter one verse, uh, John, First John chapter three verse eight tells us what Jesus did. You remember the devil? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Look what Jesus did. The one who does what is sinful is of the who. The devil, because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to what? Destroy the devil's work. So what people are saying the devil's doing to them, God has already done to the devil. What is your faith in, the devil or in God? You keep glorifying the devil, you'll get what the devil gives you. His, steal, his theft, thievery, his killing, his destruction. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and he will be destroyed in your life. Some people lack the true faith, but they want to be religious. See, that's what progressive salvation will have you look like. You'll be up in this church the whole time clapping your hands, acting like you know what I'm talking about because you're just religious. You're not free. You're just bound up by hypocrisy. You come here and pretend that it's working. My friend, I'm not pretending that Christ is working. My wife has seen Christ work in my life. My mother was there the day I was born again. I got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. It still works. Religion is dead. Jesus is alive. 
You can, you can have Father Tom feed you communion if you want. You can go down to a bridge and put a statue there and light candles. It will never defeat the sin in your life. The only thing that will defeat sin in your life is a courageous faith that says, I believe who God said he is, and I believe I can do what God said I can do. Number 10, you try to find others to agree with you. Oh, well, did you hear what Pastor said Sunday? Let me just tell you what my pastor said. My pastor really believed that I was supposed to be saved and live like I was saved. Oh, he, he told you that. But ain't nobody perfect, girl. Oh, yeah, I know. No. And you're going to find people to agree with you. But you know what? The person who's really saved us, they say, I love correction because I don't want to go the wrong direction. And they love accountable uh, and being accountable because they know that they are their brother's keeper and their brother's looking after them or sister's looking after them. My friends, I could, like as I said last week, I could preach so much more different to you and still keep tithes and offerings. I, I don't have to sin, but I could just compromise, preach to you a happy message, not challenge you to be who God called you to be. You drop money in the bucket here like you do everywhere else or at those backslidden churches. The reason why I keep such a high standard is because Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, and I don't want no backslidden, lukewarm church. I want to see a church on fire for Jesus who says, I believe he is who he said he is and I am who he said I am that's why I want to be held accountable this ain't no one man show I've got so many elders checking up on me so many people making sure I live holy and if I don't live holy replace me with Pastor Berta one of these other men and keep on chugga chugga choo choo because God said this is the way to glory he said this is the way to heaven oh y'all don't even believe that oh I got I, man I gotta preach a little bit longer Hallelujah. Somebody say the highway of holiness. See, people come here to this church and they think that because we're casual that we don't really believe in the things of God, that because uh, we're, we're casual that we're casual in our relationship with God. No, that's not it. We just think religion is dumb. That's the only thing. We think religion is dumb, but we think Jesus is worth serving, and whatever he said to do, we're going to do. And a highway will be there. This is on judgment day. Are you listening to me? And a highway will be there. You remember Jesus talking about two roads, one leading to destruction, another one leading to life? You all remember that, right? A highway will be there. And it will be called the way of compromise. Is that what it says? And it will be called the way of Joel Osteen, the non-offensive pastor. Is that what it says? And it will be called the way of the Roman Catholic Church. That tells you to go into a dark closet and confess your sins and keep repeating them, to go back and confess them and keep repeating them so you can be on repeat defeat. And it will be called the way of Islam, submission to Allah and his prophet, messenger, Muhammad. Is that what it says? And it will be called Oprah Winfrey's life class where you learn how to find the God within you through yoga and meditation and being a vegan and striking the crooked duck pose. Is that what it says? And it will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools. Come on, the Bible called people wicked fools. Are you listening? Wicked fools will not go about on it. You'll know who you are by your friends. Are you hanging out with wicked fools or people on the way of holiness? You might say, well, pastor, people can lie in both places. They can all be messed up. Well, you better find somebody that's not messed up. 
That's why we do one-on-one discipleship here. And you'll see all the time our discipleship leaders stepping down, stepping down. Why did you got to step down? Well, because they sin and stop living according to the word. Because we're not going to put a false leader before you. But as surely as God is my witness, there ain't everybody going to hell or compromising. There's people in this church who believe in the way of holiness and are walking on it. Are you listening to me? I ain't going with the wicked down in the storm. I'm going with Noah and his family in the boat. Amen? Praise God. Find others to agree with you. No, I mean, I love correction and accountability. Just, just what I do wrong. Tell me what I did wrong. I'll fix it. I'll repent. I ain't going to live for the devil and expect to go to heaven. Number 11, complain about their weakness. I'm so weak. I'm so weak. The other one proclaims how strong they are in Christ. I thought I remember hearing this in the Bible. You might have to remember, uh, remind me if I'm saying it right. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Oh, help me, help, help, me, help me with another one here. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Oh, okay, maybe I need another one here. You, you mean uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You ever read Psalms 1? Anybody here ever read Psalms 1? Can I read it to you real quick? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners in the way they take or sit in the seat of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditate on his law day and night. You want to meditate? Don't meditate on fortune cookies. Meditate on the word of God. Hello. That person. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm that person. It's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. How many want to live for Jesus like that? Number 12, they're cynical of others who live holy. And I can already sense some of you being cynical. I don't know if it's really like that with Pastor. I bet you he still messes up. I bet you his life ain't right. Look at him. He's just, he's just one of those phony pastors. Next thing, we'll find him with a prostitute or something. Jimmy Swaggart used to preach like that, all them televangelists. Listen to me. You become cynical like that. Listen, listen to me. You become cynical like that. You haven't doubted me. You haven't doubted me. You doubted the God who said this to you. I have come that you may have life, that you may enjoy it and have it to the full. You doubt him. You doubt you. If, if I fell, if, if, if I went from here, listen to me, a pastor got caught having homosexual sex while doing crystal meth with a prostitute. If that became my testimony tomorrow, that does not change this word here. doesn't change one word here. If everybody you know goes to hell, doesn't change one word. Don't think you are going to mock this. Sit in the seat of the mocker. And then go up to heaven and say, well, I didn't do it because nobody else did it. Won't work. You know what we call those people? We call those people cowards. We call those people cowards. Somebody say, don't be a coward. Do you know where cowards go when they die? Do you know? Some of y'all don't know. I'm going to show you. Can I show you where they go? Some of y'all didn't even know this, did you? Because you're cowardly and you think God's going to feel sorry for you. There's some radicals in here, but i got to speak to the coward heart in some of you. Don't you think you're going to be cynical of churches and point out all them TV preachers, all them money-grubbing pastors who let you down, and then you're going to stand up with God on Judgment Day and say, See, Jesus, I couldn't serve you because all these knuckleheads. And Jesus is going to look at you, Well, of course you couldn't. Of course you had to be backslidden because everybody else was backslidden. No, you know what he's going to say? But the cowardly. The unbelieving, 
along with the vials, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of what? Burning sulfur. This is the second Thank you, Holy Ghost, because we came to talk about life. But that's what death looks like. The second death is an eternal punishment. If you think you're going to stand before God as a coward and say, Oh, I didn't need to have life. I didn't need to have abundant life. I just needed barely get along life. I just needed just enough to get. No, no. He's going to say, You were a coward. And if you're going to say, oh, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. John 3, 16 is only partly true. It only happens when I get to heaven because you know what? I'm on a progression. No, he's going to say, liar. And if you say, well, I just don't. I just, I just, I just don't believe that. Cowards, the unbelievers, and liars. If Jesus said, listen to me, y'all. everybody look up at me, please. Please, love this pastor. Let me love on you as I'm loving. Help me love you. Vinny, come up here, please. Everybody look up at me. Watch this. If Jesus, when he said to Peter, come on that, come off that boat and you come walk. T- take that as the highway of holiness. It's impossible without Christ, but in him you can do all things. You are complete in him. Are you guys getting the illustration here? Okay, right? If when Jesus said to Peter, you can come, come to me. If Peter was not able to come and the only outcome would be him sinking and falling, what does that make Jesus? What does that make Jesus? Come on, somebody. What does that make him? Say it like you want to help me out tonight. What is it? A liar. So that means if you tell Jesus, not me, am I Jesus? Am I Jesus? But I love Jesus. But if you tell Jesus, oh, this don't work for me. Can I show you a scripture as we get ready to close? Because you got a choice whether or not you believe it. But if you don't believe it, you make him a liar. See, some people think unbelief just puts them in a neutral ground. Like, ah, I'm not so sure I believe that. No, no. When you say you don't believe what someone else has said, you're calling them a liar. Can I get somebody to say amen to that? Will you, will you just hear me for a sec? If I, if I tell you, listen to me. Everybody look up at me. I want to I close this and it makes sense to you all. Please. If I say to you, I have four kids. And you go, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that. You're calling me a liar, are you not? But if I really have four kids, who's the liar now? You. Your unbelief, it was a clear statement. I have four kids. Your unbelief calls me a liar. When Jesus says, I have come to give you life, and you say, I'm not sure if I believe that, that makes you calling him a liar. But Jesus is not lying. He breathed into us at the beginning. He's the one that gave us life. So therefore, belief, belief is calling God at his word, taking him at his word, and treating it as if it were true. That's why liars are not just people who promote a lie, but are passive with the truth. You could write that down or tweet it. Liars are not just those who promote lies, but are those who are passive with the truth. This is what Peter said. Through these, talking about Jesus and all the things he's done for us, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. Is that true or is it not true? Do I not have the ability to participate in the divine nature or not? Will I escape the desires of this evil world or not? And in verse 3, his divine power 
has given us everything we need for a what kind of life? So if I don't live godly, is that God's fault? Is that the devil's fault? Whose fault is it if I don't live godly? It's my fault. Because he said here, I've given you everything you need for a godly life. I've given it to you through your knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now in closing, would you just look at this illustration one last time? Because some people are cynical of those who live holy. And those of us who have been made holy by Christ, we're praying for you. Are you viewing your salvation like this? Because that's a lie. The, second, the one progressive salvation is a lie. Get saved today. Completely saved. And live saved. Just with your life right now. What are you waiting for? It's either true or it's not. Now, I, I, I want a church that I know who I'm preaching to. I want to know. Just, I'm going to do something weird, but I got to do it. Because I, I got to do it. I feel I, feel I want to be encouraged today. I just want to know in just a few moments who believes this by simply standing with me and just saying, I believe this. If you don't believe it, stay seated. We're not going to like mock you or anything. Don't even stand up out of pressure. I don't want you to stand. Stand only if you want to. Because I want to know who I'm going to pray for in just a few moments so that they finish their race. So if you believe this sentence, I want you to stand. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If that's you, would you stand with me? I want to know. Come on. I want to know who believes this today. Okay, come on. Would you now in your own heart thank God with some praise or prayer right now because of what he did? Now the rest of you, you may stand with us. I just wanted to know who is believing this today. The preacher needed to be encouraged. I want to know who's with me to live for Christ. Thank you, Lord. Band, would you come, please, in closing. Thank you, Jesus. You came. You came for us sinners so that we could be made saints. You came to rescue us from the devil who came to steal, who came to kill, and who came to destroy. But you came, Jesus, you came for me at 18 years old. When I was in my mother's kitchen on drugs, you came for me to give me life. Gracias, Senor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you right now, Lord, to never let me forget it. Never, never. Altar workers, would you come please? Never let me forget it. You're so good. If I stumble, Lord, pick me back up, Jesus. If I sin, Lord, convict me of righteousness. Oh, Lord, if I compromise, set my soul on fire. And let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. Compromise away. Oh, come on, saints. Come on, saints. Who believes it today? Come on, who's going to pray this prayer today? Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For thine is the power, the kingdom, and the glory forever. Come on, who's going to believe it today? Oh, who's going to say, God, may your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done. Who's going to say today, I will live for Jesus?
Now let me just speak to some of you who didn't stand or weren't sure of this. This is Jesus' word to you. Jesus doesn't mock you or mistreat you in any way. This is, if you read the Bible, this is Jesus' word to you. And honestly, there's, there's many of you here, if not more than just a few, who, who are really struggling with this. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, if anyone wants to come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. I give this to you as a homework assignment this month. We welcome you back. We welcome you to our life groups, discipleship. It's okay. But I I, I ask you to study what Jesus meant when he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. This next week, I want you to study that in the scriptures. We'll help you to do it. Remind one of our leaders to, to, to help you because that is the only way you're going to get this. That's the only way I got it. It's when I denied myself. I denied my arguments. My mom will tell you I was arguing with her at the kitchen table. I said, well, what about Buddha? What about this? And my mom said, I don't know about any of that, but I know Jesus changed his lives. He'll do it right now. Call on him. Call. It was like that. I'm telling you. I had to deny myself. I had to take up my cross. The cross means I count myself as dead now. Whenever I sin, it's because I let my flesh take over. I let something that was supposed to be dead take over. And then what it means to follow Jesus is like footprints in the sand. I walk where he walks, like footprints in snow. I'm following him. And I can't tell you how many times God has shown me stuff I've never seen in myself. Never. Never saw it in me, but God showed me. My wife will tell you. We'll have just a, you know, just a discussion or an argument, and it won't get that bad. I'll go up and pray or do, go about my business that day, and the Lord will tell me. He'll say, hey, Joe, you want to follow me? And I'll say, yeah, Jesus, you know I want to follow you. Well, follow me right downstairs to your wife and say you're sorry. Oh, you want to follow me, Joe? Yeah, I want to follow you. Go right over to the pastor, Pastor Berto, and and say you're sorry for being angry with him today. Follow me right to repentance. I'm telling you, be real with God. God will keep it real with you. In closing now, are you ready to enjoy the new life of God? If you are, would you just raise your hands with me? We're going to close in a prayer of dismissal. These altar workers are to pray with those who want prayer for anything in their life, to accept Christ, to be free. But let us just raise our hands and say this out to God. I surrender all. Come on, say, Jesus, I surrender all. All to you, Jesus, I surrender. Use my life for your glory. I confess you to be my Lord today. Help us to witness to our friends and family. May we have a wonderful week living in your life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Can you bless him with me today, saints? Praise God. Slap your neighbor high five and say live the abundant life. God bless you. You're dismissed. We're going to worship and pray if you'd like to do that. Otherwise, have a great week. Have a wonderful week. Come for prayer if you need it, though. The abundant life. The abundant life. Come on, have a great week. If you need prayer, come on up. We'll pray for you. We'll show you the way of holiness, the way of righteousness. Jesus. They don't count anymore. All praise to the one who has ransomed me.
Those who are staying, this is the after party. Worship with us today. Get hungry for more of God. He'll meet you at these altars or where you're worshiping today. Yes, God. We're believing for more, Lord. Yes, God. Yes. Calvary covers it all. And now sing, I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender all to Him. I freely give. time I surrender to Jesus would you put up the words please as we're worshiping freely give I will ever I will ever come and trust him in his presence As you're praying up here, we're just going to keep worshiping God is in this place. Thank you, band, for singing along with us. Just a few more minutes for those who really want to go deep with God. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Oh, Lord, do it today, Jesus. Do it, God. The new creation is here. Many are receiving new life. Others of you are rededicating to the life you were already given. But if you can hear my words, even as you're praying and worshiping, would you be encouraged today? Would you be encouraged to know that Jesus said that what you are today is a new creation? Would you be encouraged by that? Would you be encouraged today that you're born again? And that you're never going to be alone. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
We're going to sing about Calvary one more time and then I surrender. But I want you to leave here encouraged those who have stayed for the after party. Never the same again. Not because of self-effort, but because of Christ's effort. You're saved. Jesus saves you today. Come on. Sing this song. Would you put the words up, Calvary? Yes, God. Thank you, band. Come on, isn't it good to believe what God said is true? Yes. All our praise. He has ransomed my soul. Come on, one more time, and then we'll sing I Surrender All. Yes. Yes, it does. Amen. Amen. Now let's sing it one last time. I surrender. And I surrender. Doesn't that make sense now after today's message? It's only God that can rescue us. It's all Him anyway. Would you pray for all of us who are still remaining that we won't try to do this on our own, that we'll walk the path of holiness because of Christ in us. And if we see another brother stumble or fall, we won't judge them falsely, but we'll encourage them to find strength in Jesus. Yes, Lord, we just want to thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for your word, God. You said to your disciples that... If we hold to your teachings, your truth, the truth shall set us free. God, I just thank you for the preaching that you gave Joel, Lord God. And I thank you for those that are being set free and delivered uh, by your truth. Lord, strengthen those, God, uh, that are here and they receive the word. Strengthen them. Like my, uh, like Pastor Joel said, Lord, um, that they will hold each other accountable, Lord God. That they'll be willing to receive, Lord God, correction. Be willing to be humble and, and just take... Uh, 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 you by your word, Lord Jesus, God. I pray that um, every single person would just uh, take you by your word, Lord God, and, and walk in freedom, oh God, and not try to do things on their own, Lord God, because the, the work of the flesh is sinful, is religion, Lord God. So I thank you for your truth. I thank you that we are people that are called to walk by the Spirit, Lord God. So strengthen us all, God. Let us remain in you and abide in you at all times, Lord, for for you, Jesus, are in us, the hope of glory, God, for the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. And keep praying and hanging out. And don't forget to send me your family to pray for you on Facebook. Amen. Thank you.